Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to take a bite out of the competition? Are you looking for ideas to make your business better? Welcome to the Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. Sponsored by Apple Capital Group. At the core of every successful business, you'll find people making a difference. And with each episode of The Core Business Show, we talk with those people, examine those ideas, and explore the strategies that make them special. Now, the host of The Core Business Show, Tim Jacquet. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another episode of The Core Business Show. I'm Tim Jacquet, your host. Today, I have a pleasure having Estella Garcia-Lopez. She is with OCP. We've been having series this week with OCP Composer. It's been a pleasure. And we're going to go a little bit more in-depth in the conversations to talk uh, talk about more about Hispanic music in general and uh, workshops and things that's coming down the pipeline at OCP. Estella, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's a pleasure to speak with you again. Happy Friday. <laughs> Thank you. It's I, I like to... Go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, I. It's been... No, go ahead. <laughs> it's it's been so sunny and beautiful this week, and and you know I've been looking forward to the weekend, so I'm I'm so glad it's Friday, and I've got my green smoothie right next to me, so I'm set. <laughs> <laughs> it's ironic. It's Friday the thirteenth at all days. I know. Interesting. That means that we, we are lucky. It's a lucky day. Okay, we're gonna take it as being lucky. Okay. Dive into, kind of tell us, you know, kind of bring us back. Tell us uh, where you're from and tell us something about yourself and your involvement there at, at OCP. Okay, well, I come from a Mexican family and mm-hmm. uh, I grew up in Los Angeles. And um, my family is very um, traditional, I guess, if you want to put it that way. They're. Uh, very strong Catholics, and it's part of our culture to go to church, and and it's it just embodies our lives. So since I was a little girl, I've been involved in church activities, and uh, never in my wildest dreams did I think that I would be make music uh, a career, but it just turned out that way. Um, I moved up to Portland, Oregon. Uh, after I finished my music degree, um, they had positions opened for uh, bilingual editors, and I was mm-hmm. kind of recruited. And uh, so, lucky for me, I found a job in music. So, and wow. it's a, lo- a job that I love. Um, not very many people get to do what they love. I love music, and I love uh, being a Catholic. I love God. I believe in Him. And then at the same time, I get to serve the Hispanic community that I, you know, which I uh, hold very close to my heart, of course. So, and then lucky for me, I get to work with my husband as well. And I know you interviewed him not too long ago, (laughs) Rudy Lopez. Yeah. And so I feel very lucky. I've been in Portland, Oregon for almost 12 years this August. And... uh, I just feel blessed. Wow. So tell us uh, about what you do at OCP as an editor. Uh, as an editor, uh, I my job is to make sure that the scores that go into hymnals, missiles, 
songbooks, octavos are presented well and uh, make sense for the customer. And uh, But I also get to participate in music review. So when we do the initial screening of music submissions, we, we want to make sure that the music uh, works well, works well for the customers, and that it, 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 it fits a need. And um, so it helps that I'm in music ministry at my parish, so it helps me stay connected. So whether I worked at OCP or not, I would still be leading music somewhere because it's who I am. But working at a parish, it helps me stay connected to what the real needs are. Wow. So that process of them coming in and submitting material, either a CD with uh, music, tell us what that's like. They submit the materials to you guys, and what happens there? So, yeah, usually what happens is that the music is submitted, and then it goes through an initial screening. Uh, If something is way, way off the mark, they don't bring it to the committee itself, but if if the piece or CD or music collection or it passes the initial screening, then it goes to the review committee, and then that okay. committee is made up of various different types of people with different skills, different experiences, which is good. You want a a committee that is uh, well rounded, and I mean you have theologians, uh, you have high church musicians, you have contemporary musicians. Um, so you get an array of different input and, and uh, so that if I don't think of something, maybe somebody else will think of something. And um, if, if the piece is, is, is good, um, of course it's accepted, but if it's almost there, the committee will make suggestions you know, it, it's great, but if it would have this, it would be better. Or if it ha- would have that, or, you know, the, the, the text needs to be reworked a little bit. Or or like if it's a psalm, you know, we we the bishops l- like it when we publish psalms or that are verbatim to the lectionary. And, of course, nowadays the mass parts... Um, the new Roman Missal changes, I mean, that that has been our priority to publish mass settings that are verbatim to the new lectionary. So OCP works very hard to follow the bishop's recommendations. So. Okay. So <clears throat> the gatekeepers that they originally submit the music to, and it, the gatekeepers are, is a small committee. They listen through everything first and screen it. Kind of tell us what the, those people normally consist of, and then how long does it normally take before it, if it's accepted, do it takes to go to your your broad committee? Um, it, you know, with this economy, uh, it. It's it's very hard to publish everything you want to publish, and mm-hmm. so you kind of go by what the needs are, the the you know what are the priorities, and you know even though there's a good piece of music that we may have accepted or or liked, it doesn't mean that we could publish it right away. 
So sometimes it could be right away. Sometimes it could take time until an opportunity comes up where we could include it. Um, So it's really hard to say. Um, but um, but I know that there there is there are a lot of submissions that come in, and I know that the review process sometimes takes a while, months sometimes, and um, so uh, we just ask people to be patient, and we try to review music as it comes in, you know, and so we we do our best to get back to um, composers with. I know that when it's first received, they get a letter saying, we've received your music. And then if it's not accepted, a letter is sent out saying that it is it is not uh, accepted or needed uh, needed at this time. But, um, but if there's possibility for use and everybody likes it and, and it, 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 it fits a need, then uh, an accept, acceptance letter will go out. However... As to when it will be published, that's the difficult part. Yeah. What things uh, that you that are common issues that you see all the time on a regular basis that uh, the gatekeepers always going to turn down, and also if it gets to the gatekeepers, um, uh, then it gets to your committee. What things you see that is a common problem? Um, sometimes, um, you know, there's, there's a huge, um, I guess, Christian contemporary movement, and sometimes some of the music that comes in is a little, uh, too, too out there, you know, so some, since we are primarily a liturgical company, publishing company, we always look to pieces that are easily sung by an assembly, um, uh, pieces that stay true to Catholic theology. We wouldn't want to publish anything that is vague or contradictory or suspicious. Um, and we always look for music that uh, r- truly represents the message of, of, the, of, the, of the piece of music. So you want a good marriage of text and music, um, and of course we want to look for pieces that that fill a need. Now, when I say that we are primarily a liturgical company, it doesn't mean that we are not opening the doors to to more contemporary music for um, for things beyond the Sunday liturgy. We are, we are. So, but we are just cautious and careful when publishing this type of music. Um, Sometimes we get music that we have so much of, and sometimes you have to evaluate, do we need another setting of Psalm 23, you know, um, the Lord is my shepherd, and is this stronger than what we have? Is it it in a style that we don't have? Um, So you have to evaluate the new submissions against what we currently have. And mm-hmm. uh so there's there's a, a lot of there's um a lot of things to consider, you know, when when lo- reviewing new music. But but what I tell people, you know, y- you have nothing to lose in submitting music. You know, if you have it, submit it. But what mm-hmm. I would recommend is that you should test it with your parish, test it with your choir. 
consult with folks, um, ask feedback from your pasture, so that when it comes in, it's well thought out and tested and and, and it'll come in in better shape. So the chances of it being accepted are higher. Um, so that's what I would recommend. Okay. On the flip coin of that, uh, things that you see that you are things you really in need of, things are uh, you're in need of, number one, and number two, that uh, uh, these, oh, we always love this. Uh, it always It meets our needs. It builds something that we really want, but I, we we really like this. We wish we had more of this. Mm-hmm. Um, what we've done in the past is is sometimes if we know that certain composers have a certain skill for something that we really need for a piece of music, uh, we we um, we will ask them to write a specific piece of music for for this particular thing that we need. There have been other instances where we open it to anyone, especially with with Hispanic music. Um, Sometimes we don't get high-quality submissions, um, and so we've opened it up to anyone who has this skill. I remember maybe about uh, eight years ago, we... We wanted to develop Spanish contemporary music, and we wanted to find new talent, and we developed a competition for Spanish contemporary music. And we got maybe about 100 submissions, and, and we just opened it up to anyone. And to our surprise, we got music submissions from from Argentina, from Chile, from Mexico City, and of course from many different parts of the U.S. It's like, whoa, you're out there? <laughs> and uh, and I understand that sometimes we just need to open the door and ask, hey, you know, you got music for kids, or you got contemporary music, or you have music for this or that, go ahead, submit it. And um, so that was a successful project. That initial project was called Primavera con Cristo. And mm-hmm. so it was a collection of 25 songs. And uh, so I, I feel that um, doing, um, asking, seeking music in that way was, is a successful uh, way to solicit music. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a break for a second, and we're going to continue with the conversation. We'll be back in a moment with Salvador Castillo Lopez. Be back in a moment. Okay. You're listening to The Core Business Show, sponsored by Apple Capital Group. Apple Capital Group in Jacksonville, Florida, is a commercial lender that specializes in asset-based loans, equipment leasing and financing, invoice financing, commercial real estate loans, and asset-based financing in the U.S. and Canada. Apple Capital Group is a direct lender that lends on their private equity investment portfolio. 90% of most loans are decided within two hours, and vendor funding within 24 hours after documents are completed with a one-page application. No slow no's, just a quick decision and a fast yes. To get more information about lending from Apple Capital Group, call 866-611-7457. That's 866-611-7457 to speak with one of our loan specialists. Or visit us right now at applecapitalgroup.com. Welcome back to The Core 
Once again, here's Tim Chicane. Well, we're back with uh, Estela Garcia-Lopez with OCP. A question real quick. I have a question here regarding um, uh, OCP focus. I mean, each publisher has their own genre of music. And I guess the decision happened some time ago. OCP decided to really focus on Hispanic music, which really brought them into a different era. What was the pinpoint that... OCP, even though that they had this big drone catalog, they have a lot of products that has been successful, a great uh, publishing library, you decide to focus uh, in the Catholic community and pretty much in the world on uh, Hispanic music. Um, about maybe, was it 20 years ago or three, uh, maybe more? obviously before my time here at OCP, the publisher's name was Fritz Maher. And around that time, uh, the Hispanic community was uh, growing in numbers, and as it is now, so nothing has changed. And he realized that there was no resource to serve that community, at least no organized resource. Um, uh, what, what typically happens with Hispanic choirs is that they, they have their custom-made binder with words only, and, and you've probably seen that, Tim. I think, yeah, I've, I've just seen that. I think that, I remember you saying that you over. work with, yeah. And uh, so, and, and half the time, they don't even know where the songs came from, you know? And as and that's how I grew up too. When when I joined the choir when I was 12 years old, everyone had their custom-made binders with text only and chords over the text, and and with all the songs in there, and and with no composer listed or copyrights or anything. And so, of course, when I was growing up, we would sing Pescador de Hombres, and of course, I thought that was from Mexico. That's from my town, you know. My grandmother used to sing it. And then it wasn't until I started using uh, published music that I realized, like, whoa, that song is, is from Spain. And Cesario Gavarain wrote it, you know. It's like, whoa. And um, so OCP had the vision to create a resource that could help the community uh, in their worship. I mean, the Hispanic community in their worship. And uh, Fritz Marr... And I believe John Lim at that time, John Lim is the current publisher, but Mm -hmm. at at that time they both went to Spain because a a lot of the music from Spain was obviously very popular. And so they went to gather a lot of these songs and they gathered a lot of music also from Mexico and, and, and looked to see what was popular in those days in the U.S. And, of course, it was a lot of music from Mexico as well. And so, thank goodness, they had the vision to uh, create a resource for the community, and they thought that it was important enough to do it. And so, uh, the first thing, the first resource uh, OCP developed was uh, a book called Canticos. And I know uh, Mary Frances Ressa had a big part in that, in in Mm -hmm. doing the researching and exploring and gathering of music and pioneering that effort and so it's 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 exciting just to talk about it and then after Canticos, Canticos 1 was kind of the building block 
for what we call now Floricanto. And so the first edition um, came out not too long after uh, uh, Canticos. And um, and I was a user of, of Floricanto 1, and, and thank goodness, you know, they put that resource together. Uh, it, finally, we had an organized resource with mass settings and psalms and 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 songs with different themes and so it it, it was a blessing for the hispanic community and of course after that 10 years after that uh, we developed uh, floricanto 2 which is around the time that i was hired so i had the pleasure of working on floricanto 2 developing it and and seeking more music, making it more complete, more uh, 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 more complete psalter, more mass settings, more bilingual music, and, and more music from from other Latin cultures, and uh, and you know of course I transitioned to Floricanto two in my parish, and I love it. It's a strong hymnal, and then now in 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 it brings us now to Floricanto three, which was published not too long ago which is uh, an even stronger hymnal that includes music from many other Latin cultures because that was one of the recommendations we, we kept hearing from folks. You know, we need more music from Puerto Rico. We need more music from the Dominican Republic and from South America. And and then, of course, with the ever, you know, looming changes in, in the new Roman Missal, we also had to include uh, bilingual settings that were up to date and reflected the new Roman Missal changes. So, so it's 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 exciting to be a part of Floricanto Three. I was the project editor for that, and uh, so I'm excited about it. How does it feel to produce Floricanto Three? And you were at the beginning of uh, Floricanto, and you grew up with it, and all of a sudden you birthing. A new hymn book for uh, a growing community, and you're well, at the helm of it. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it was exciting, and I I felt a huge weight on my shoulders because you know I'm I I represent the Hispanic community here at OCP along with all many of my other colleagues, but it's you know I felt uh, a lot of pressure. Um, being in the selection committee and trying to decide what songs do you do, go in. Uh, I work with, uh, closely with Pedro Rubalcaba, uh, Mary Straub, and Rudy Lopez, uh, Vicky de Mesas, and, and many other people um, to, to try to discern, you know, what, what direction should we go and what songs do we need and Pedro traveled to to uh, Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic. Um, uh, we sought advice from people from Chile and and, and other countries um, on trying to figure out what songs were popular, what, which songs should we include, and and of course evaluating all the music that we had published since Floricanto Two. You know what songs from these popular collections. You know which ones should need to be included in this hymnal. But at the same time, we also have the pressure of figuring out, well, if we add these new songs, we have to drop some other songs that may not be as popular or or as relevant anymore. 
And so it was a huge responsibility, and we had to seek advice from many folks. And and we're hoping that we got it right. But then again, you know, I, I you know, I'm sure some folks will may not agree or disagree. But I <laughs> I, I don't know. But we did. Our, you can't the ever make all the saints happy. I know, but you know, we we certainly give it a good try. We we did there our best. Is, and we feel that uh, Floricanto III is, is a strong hymnal. Um, I, I, right now, we are at my parish, we are still currently using Floricanto II, and I can't wait until we can transition to three. So, but we, it's just, now it's a matter of raising funds and all of that. But it, it's exciting, you know, to, to have that available now. It's like when I first started in music, there were not very many resources for us to use. And now, you know, 30 years later, uh, not to give my age away, um, but, you know, there's there are all these resources for us. You know, Responde Aclama, you know, that the, it has the Psalter, the complete Psalter for the entire year uh, with recordings. Uh, there's all these collections and missiles, and, and now we're in the third edition of Floricanto Three. We also have a bilingual missal, Unidos en Cristo, for those bilingual parishes that choose to only get one resource. Some most parishes that use Floricanto may use breaking bread for their for the English community. But those parishes that only want to use one resource, Unidos en Cristo is is uh an excellent choice. Um so it's exciting. You know, do you still have your little book that had all of the different type of songs in it and that uh the one we just mentioned regarding I think really the top of the show regarding the it had the words and the chords but you really didn't know how the song went. How did you guys uh if you took some of those traditional songs find out who actually wrote them or you just say it's public domain? In the Hispanic community what happens is that uh, you know, it, it's not important. It's not, you know, they just kind of pass on the song and, and you know, it's just not, the, what is important is the actual song. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and the copyright, I mean, most people don't even know what that is all about. Enforcing copyright and copyright laws, you know, what are you talking about? And so for us, you know, we, we have a job to train them. But I remember growing up when, uh, one of the nuns at my parish introduced me to Flori. No, it, I think it was Canticos, the first book she gave me. And uh, and so I opened it up, and it had music. And, of course, it was intimidating for me because I, I certainly didn't know how to read music. But at that point, that's when reality set in. It's like, whoa, somebody actually wrote this song, you know. And, you know, it just... Um, so that was my first introduction to knowing who wrote the music. And mm-hmm. uh but now with Floricanto one and and two and now three, word has gone out. Most most Hispanic choirs doing liturgical music know about Floricanto. Uh you go to any parish and, and they would have if they're not using Floricanto they they've at least heard of it. And okay. maybe they're maybe they're in the process of transitioning, um, switching from words only to music scores. It, it's it's intimidating and daunting for many musicians. 
You know, some even will get the book, or maybe the pastor will get them the book, but they'll turn around and write the text in a piece of paper and and, and put <laughs> lyrics over, even though they have the resources. Like, what are you doing? And it's 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 so it takes a while for some of them to get over the hump, but once they've transitioned, then you know, just like I did. I mean, it was so intimidating, but once you get there. Uh, at some point, you realize it's okay. And I remember that when I was working with my Spanish choir uh, in L.A. and even here in Portland, Oregon, um, I remember I there were ladies in the choir that would use the words-only hymnal. And I told them, well, if you're going to be in the choir, you're going to use the hymnal with the notes. But I can't. I don't know how to do it. Well, you're going to learn. And and the faster you start using it, the faster you're going to get used to it. And it was funny because then like two years later, I we were singing for uh, a, fair, a farewell mass for one of the priests. And we wanted to sing Amigo... Uh, it was what's the name of it amigo i think it was and we didn't have a score and and so i just gave them words and and then later on she they come back to me she says you know now i realize that i really needed the notes it would have been helpful like and then i reminded her it's like remember i told you and she just starts laughing and uh at that point she realized she had gotten through that hump, and so for those of you, you know, I re- for those people that lead Spanish choirs, I encourage you to keep trying. They they will come around, but it's just hard. Transitioning is hard, and especially for those choir directors that are working with uh, 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 with Spanish and English choirs, especially when they do bilingual services. I just ask for them, you know, be patient and and know that this is difficult for them. One, they have to they have to get through the hump of reading music, which is huge. And then secondly, especially for the first generation Hispanics, singing in English, well that's another hump. <clears throat> so so it's it, you know, it tests your patience, but and and your commitment to serve the community and um but they will come around. Wow. I guess we're going to take a break for a second, and there's a title song called Cristo. Cristo Faname? Mm-hmm. Okay. Tell us about this song. Um, I wrote this song maybe about, uh, I don't know, I forget the date, maybe about eight years ago or nine years ago, right before my son was born, Rudy Lopez Jr., and... um, (laughs) In in my years of working with the Hispanic community, I've I've um, I realized that there's a lot of pain that they bring um, when they come to this country. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, what I've witnessed as I sing and minister to them and, and lead the music is that I, I've seen people transformed before my eyes. And I've seen people come in with a lot of pain, a lot of loneliness and um, from discrimination, from many, many things and uh, in this country. And it kind of led me to write some uh, this song that talks about healing. I don't want to be in the darkness. I want to be in the light. And 
it's helped me to heal. And of course, at, at our parish, we had a very strong evangelization movement, and we had a very strong preacher priest at that time who mm-hmm. used to invite people to um, come to the altar and seek prayer, and he would pray over them. And and we would sing the song, Christus Amnamek, Jesus Heal Me. And, and and it proved to be very powerful. And so, um, and now, um, you know, it's it's become popular among both English and Spanish circles. It's even made it to breaking bread. Imagine that. Wow. <laughs> One of well, congratulations. The biggest, thank you. One of uh, OCP's biggest, you know, resources, most popular resources. So when it made it in, I was thinking, whoa. I think I've made it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to give you a little break for a second, and we're going to go ahead and play this track for four minutes. We'll be back in four minutes. Thank you. Thanks.
Okay, we're back with our interview with Estelle Garcia Lopez. I, tell us the difference uh, between uh, Floyd Control 2 and 3. What are the big differences between the two books? Um, well, for one thing, with Floricanto 3, um, we paid closer attention to the mass settings, making sure that they were, uh, they followed the Roman Missal. Even though the the changes that have been happening only affected the English mass settings, it didn't mean that the Spanish mass settings had been following the Missal Romano verbatim. So we figured, well, if they are scrutinizing the English mass settings this closely, we better scrutinize the Spanish ones too. And uh, in the Hispanic culture, they don't, they, you know, it's very loose. Even, you know, Hispanic priests, they are kind of loose about following everything verbatim or liturgically correct, especially in Latin countries. Mm-hmm. So, but since we are in the U.S. and we try to follow the bishop's <laughs> recommendations for Politicanto um we paid closer attention because, you know, especially, you know, we're trying to teach people how to do things correctly or liturgically correct. And if we want to do that, then we need to make sure that what we publish reflects that. So um, so for Floricanto three. It, it gave us an opportunity to reevaluate, and so we paid a cl- closer attention to that. Um, we also, uh, as I said earlier, we wanted to include more music from other Latin countries. Um, even though we did represent other countries other than Mexico and Spain, uh, we wanted to, uh, before, we wanted to expand it a little more, and so we brought music from Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, Chile, um, El Salvador, uh, a few from Nicaragua, and um, so we wanted to make sure um, that it was well-rounded and representative of Hispanics in the U.S., um, we also wanted to include some of the newer songs that had been published since the previous Loricanto. So the many new collections from Jaime Cortez, Santiago Fernandez, Pedro Rubalcaba, and all Spain composers um, Carmelo Erdosain, Juan Antonio Espinosa. Um, I know I'm forgetting some. Uh, Diego Damaris. Uh, they're from Puerto Rico. Um, so we wanted to make sure that it was up to date and represented uh, some of the newer songs. Um, and at the same time, we had to evaluate, of course, you know, which songs had not been used as much or did not fit our needs anymore or, you know, we, um, like the, some of the uh, mass settings that people love but don't follow the text from the Roman Missal. Like, uh, I don't know. You may have, you work with the Spanish choir, right, Tim? Mm-hmm. Maybe? Yeah. So yeah. you may may have heard this song. Gloria a nuestro Dios en lo alto de los cielos. Have you heard mm-hmm. that, maybe? Yeah, do it well, every Sunday. Te- uh, oh, okay. Well, the text for that, you know, is not verbatim. So, um, so like, that one we could not include in Floricanto 3. At least, ah. if, 
Uh huh. So examples like that, some of the favorites. So if we are trying to follow church documents, you know, then that would no longer be acceptable. Okay. Yeah. Where are okay? So I have a question in a few minutes regarding the book. But where are we with the revision of the Spanish uh, uh, Spanish language Roman Missal? You know, that's a very good question. We've been kind of waiting, but it, it is not expected that the Spanish uh, mass parts or uh, the people's parts will change significantly. Um, <laughs> they're at least um, from what I gather, um, the English uh, texts have changed to bring them closer to the Latin. Mm-hmm. Uh, the translation was a new translation was done uh, because I guess maybe the first translation was took some liberties or maybe it was a little loose. I, I'm, you know, it was not as close. However, the Spanish was fairly close, um, so we don't expect as many changes with the people's parts. Maybe there will be some with the priest parts. Um, so uh, we are hopeful, and but we are waiting. <laughs> well, you <laughs> know, it's community. Yeah. Well, it's, it's communities uh, with a lot of directors across the board. We want to be fair as we walk into these positions uh, that we have the community equal, and mm-hmm. to go to a new hymn book uh, at thirteen dollars a pop, we wanted to make sure. Um, we don't, you know, for example, we don't want to have to buy old books, um, but we don't want to buy new books in the sense that uh, then something gets outdated and all of a sudden we have spent thirteen grand or close to that or ten, you know, ten to thirteen grand. That's a huge investment. You only have to do, you know, maybe every ten years. But right. will it be in light of that? Um, is there a way to say exactly, hey, are they going to be changing? What are they going to be changing? And how is it going to render this particular uh, floor cancel three? That's a very good question. Um, we've 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 been following the trends of other Latin countries, and we've seen their new Roman missiles. And mm-hmm. in evaluating their changes, it, it it has led us to believe that the changes that will be done are going to be minimal, at least with regard to the people's parts. So um, we feel that it, it, our hymnal is is sound and, and it will still be acceptable for many, many years to come, even after the, the new Spanish Roman Missal changes are introduced. Uh, the one little part that we felt um, may change was not included in the hymnal, so... Um, it was another acclamation. I think, save a savior of the world. I think it's something like that. Um, mm-hmm. That particular setting in uh, the text in Spanish may change, and so therefore we did not include it because there was that possibility. But okay. For the most part, everything else we feel and we feel confident, and USCCB also has um, kind of express that to some extent. So so we felt comfortable publishing this hymnal as it is. 
And Floor Console 2 and 3, uh, as of new songs in the book, um, what are the big differences as if we put a number value of songs from 2 and 3? Uh, how many new songs uh, is in the book and how many old songs have been taken out? Oh, let's see. <clears throat> I would say maybe maybe about 200 new, maybe. Wow. Which is which is I you know I I feel that's a good number of new music and also knowing that everything was scrutinized and we want we want we wanted to make sure that this resource was sound for the customer. Mm-hmm. Um you know, OCP has been looked up to by many many people as being the sound resource for for liturgical use and we want to stay to that you know, reputation. Okay. So we took Great. a lot of care. But um so I I would say that it's 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 a very strong hymnal. Okay, we're gonna play a track in a few minutes, but I have a question from a bookseller. Are there uh discount rates for the Floricanto book for a retailer? Oh yes. For a retailer, yes. Um Okay. Yeah. So okay. um I if someone in Customer service uh, or um, can can help anyone that has those types of questions. Absolutely. Okay, we're gonna go to Misa Santa. Cecilia. Um, okay, so kind of tell me how you pronounce it. Santa Cecilia. Okay, yeah, I just have it abbreviated. Ah. Okay. Tell us about this piece. Well, um, when we heard about the new Roman Missal changes. Um, we were invited to write a bilingual mass. Many, many uh, com- composers were invited to write masses, but uh, a few, a handful of composers were asked to write bilingual mass settings. It didn't mean that OCB promised to publish it, but, you know, they invited us to submit something. And um, so Rudy and I <clears throat> decided, well, let's let's, let's do it. <laughs> and... Uh, but before we submitted it, we tried it for like a year at our parish. And we, you know, changed it here and there, changed the key, and we wanted to make sure that it worked uh, with our, not only the English community, but also the Spanish community. And uh, and so, to our surprise, it, it got accepted. So we were, of course, thrilled uh, to to for OCP to publish it um, around the same time that our album was published, Brie Toulouse. So it was a, a double surprise for us that that year. So um, so I hope people like it, and we hope that it meets their needs. Great. We'll go ahead and, and play it. We'll be back in a moment. Thank you.
Hey, we're back now. I was Casella Lopez. Oh, it's great! Hallelujah! I gotta use that next Sunday. <laughs> ah, yeah. Thank yeah. you. Well, we wanted to give it a nice uh, contemporary feel, Latin contemporary sort of feel, and but at the same time make it user friendly and catchy. Mm-hmm. And so our whole mass is kind of this way. And uh, what we found is that uh, when we sang it our, at our bilingual mass, the English group really liked it too, and they took to it right away. Um, so that was exciting for us, you know, to for them to have accepted this. Wow! Tell us, you know, the uh, now OCP is is a nonprofit, and uh, I know in the past was is it still owned by the I mean the diocese of uh, Portland, Oregon? Yes, we we are under their umbrella. So okay. the the bishop is part of our um, uh, board of directors. And uh, basically, we we you know he has to approve everything we do. Yeah. Okay. So it's a plus and minus to that. At least you have his endorsement on yeah. one end, but it's kind of like okay, he's not gonna accept. This. <laughs> you know, I guess you kind of keep you kind of even keeled. Uh, and I've heard the same thing with other publishers uh, have the same thing. They in a real strong Catholic diocese. And uh, they can't, they're really cautious uh, mm-hmm. of the archbishops as well. And they don't yeah. even have a financial stake in the in the private company uh, uh, where they yeah. are. But, you know, I guess what they, they said, uh, the archbishop is uh, king of his land. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, th- we've been lucky in that Bishop uh, Blasny, he's... He's just um, so easygoing, and he's just so flexible and open. And uh, although, unfortunately, he will be retiring soon, so oh, we'll, we'll see what happens, you know? <laughs> then the stress level goes up. Yeah, a little bit. But, you know, I think that um, it, it, I, I, I'm not exactly sure... I forget who is going to re- replace him, but I'm I'm quite certain that things will be all right. Um, but you know, OCP works really hard to to do the right thing, and so mm-hmm. I feel that it will be fine uh, with um, the new bishop. With our remaining minutes, we want to talk about the uh, Spanish culture itself. Um, internationally uh, as a play part of this uh, new Floricanto book. But mainly, kind of tell us, uh, if you had to explain a the Hispanic culture uh, to the general audience and, for example, how they, uh, uh, the Quinceañera is, is rich in a culture, the Aule de Guadalupe is so rich in a culture, kind of tell us about culturally what people really need to know about the Hispanic community and how these little elements like the Quinceañeras uh, and the Ale Guadalupe, the Las Padas, and some of the other elements mm-hmm. of the culture play a part of who they are. But also, the second part of that is the differences between, as you mentioned earlier, the first half hour, about, okay, you have the Cuban, you have the Puerto Rican, you have the, the Mexican, you have the... Uh, South American, uh, you have Spain itself. How all of that plays uh, part of the whole culture? Well, in the Hispanic community as a whole, religion 
or Catholicism pl uh, plays a big part. I'm not saying everyone is Catholic, but the majority are. And uh, just, you know, religion, uh, Our Lady Guadalupe, uh, they are intertwined with the culture. If you go to any Hispanic home, you will probably see the Virgen de Guadalupe in their living room. Um, you'll see a picture of her. Uh, and not only in Mexicans' homes. It could be Cubans' homes. It could be Dominican Republic. I mean, the Virgen de Guadalupe has become such a... Uh, uh, the devotion to the Virgen de Guadalupe has become so big now. Even among Americans, now the devotion is big. I remember not too long ago, we sang at a bilingual Virgen de Guadalupe service. And 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 it's like whoa, that's really nice. <laughs> um, but but it doesn't mean that each country does not have their devotion to to their specific Mary. Uh, uh, like um, in the Puerto Puerto Rican culture, I know that they have uh, what's the Virgin, the Virgin's name, uh, la la Virgen del Cobre, maybe or the uh the Alta Gracia is la, from the Dominican Republic well they have different virgins devotions to virgins um but basically uh really uh spirituality is is um a very very strong part of the culture um everyone goes to church everyone goes to confession i remember growing up we would pray the rosary every night um and uh and the Virgen de Guadalupe it is it is just a huge, huge moment in the in the in the year, liturgical year. Um mm -hmm. we've we've been uh working with a Spanish choir in Seattle for the past two years. And and in this in the city of Seattle there is a huge Hispanic population. And the Cathedral of St. James, you know, the, the diocese, they, they asked the Hispanic community, you know, we want to do at least one Spanish event every year for you. You know, what, what day, what, what festivity, what, what, what do you want us to celebrate? And, and every, with, without a hesitation, everyone said, Virgen de Guadalupe. It's like, what? <laughs> and to me, that shows you know the the strong devotion to they have they have to the virgin uh, maybe because she was humble maybe because she appeared to a humble person and of course she 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 appeared in mexico city um mm -hmm. but um but that with no doubt that is a strong devotion the other thing um the coming of age celebration of the quinceañera that's another strong event that is tied into the culture um you know when a, a woman comes of age at the age of 15 i know in the u.s you know the sweet, sweet 16 celebration is very popular in this hispanic tradition the quinceanera is very popular and not only in mexico but in other latin countries so um that's when traditionally they come they do a mass and it's almost like you're at a wedding. It feels that way anyway, with the limousines and everything. Um, mm -hmm. But it, it, it's huge, and the quinceañera comes to give thanks for one, but at the same time to consecrate herself 
to following uh, Christ, to following Mary's footsteps, you know, looking to her as a role model. And uh, at some point during the quinceañera, she'll read a prayer, and and most girls will bring flowers to the Virgin. Um, so it, it, it's a very, very strong um, uh, moment in the Hispanic community. Um, the other um, important moment is, is the posadas, las posadas. Every year, you know, you you do las posadas, basically a reenactment of the 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 story of of the birth of Jesus. You know, Mary and Joseph go to, door to door, seeking shelter, and then finally they, the the baby's born in the barn. And so you you go through that in in the posadas, and and they'll do these posadas for nine days before Christmas. And every mm-hmm. night you have the posada or the reenactment, and you'll have, you know, viancicos, music, uh, Christmas music to accompany these processions. Uh, some, some of these processions even take place on the streets. If if you have nice weather in Portland, it's always raining, so we will never ever do it on the streets, <laughs> <laughs> ever. But you know, but 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 that's not stopping us. We still have the posadas, even even if they are in the hall, you know. And you have the procession, door to door, and and with a rosary to accompany the procession, and and then readings and maybe a reflection, and then after that. Baby's born and everybody comes in and and uh, you have the maybe you may, might have piñatas, um, you know, sweet bread, hot chocolate, tamales or something, and so mm-hmm. you do that for nine days and then until Christmas Eve and and so it's kind of exciting. It's a family event. Most uh, of these events are tied into the whole family and. Uh, so it, 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 that's why it, it's such a huge part of, of the culture. And okay. I, I must say, because of the strong faith in this Hispanic community, despite the pain, despite the hardships, despite the discrimination, despite the many things, they the Hispanic community is strong. And the reason why they are strong is because of their faith. And, and so it's rooted in them since they're little, and uh, it, it makes them strong. Well, what you like to leave us with? Uh, uh, about yourself and your company, whatever you like to share. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, OCP has is making has made uh, made great strides to serve the Christians, you know, throughout the world, throughout the U.S., and mm-hmm. OCP works really hard to do the right thing, to provide the right resources, and and it brings joy to my heart knowing that they are the leaders in, in, in providing Hispanic resources to the Hispanic community, which is very dear to my heart, of course. And so um, I guess for... People working with the Hispanic community, you know, we we are here to support you and to help you. It doesn't mean we are perfect, but we strive really hard to do the right thing. We believe in Christ, and we feel that our goal is to touch people's hearts, to proclaim the Word of God through our music. Perfect. 
Well, again, thank you for all your time, and uh, I look forward to seeing OCP. If, if I don't see you at the uh, convention, I'm sure I'm going to run into you several times throughout the year. Well, I think you have an institute as well. Um, but we look for a lot, all the great works from uh, OCP, and I thank you for spending the hour and sharing your music and sharing your story. Thank you so much, Tim. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Again, this has been another production of the Core Business Show, and that was an interview with Stella Garcia-Lopez. You can find all her information on OCP.org. She's a recording artist and also an editor at OCP. Everybody, thank you for listening. We're about to start our next show in, in about two seconds. Again, this is the Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. Thank you for listening to The Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. For a free quote on equipment leasing and financing, visit our website, applecapitalgroup.com. That's applecapitalgroup.com. And fill out the information to receive your free quote. We hope you'll join us for our next episode. And remember, you can always get to The Core via iTunes. You'll find all our previous episodes there. Thanks again for listening to The Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet.